Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Hello and welcome to My Ultimate Year, a comic book reading club where we're going through all of the Marvel Ultimate Universe, one issue at a time. I'm Zach and I am joined today by Ashley. How are you, Ashley? I am good. I am good. This is a a weird batch of comics. Um, we've got uh, a couple new, uh, well, I guess only one new, one new writer for the Ultimate line mm-hmm. uh, in Jeff Loeb. <laughs> we'll definitely get to that. And Jeff Loeb's appearance in uh, My Ultimate, or not My Ultimate, in the Ultimate Universe is kind of a, a notorious moment. Um, he writes some of the more notorious Ultimate comics, and it starts here with Ultimates Volume 3. And uh, yeah, it's pretty odd. I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I'm really excited to hear what you thought oh, <laughs> about these comics. Was um, odd. It started off a, weird. <laughs> there. Oh, oh, it started. Okay. Let's, let's not burn, burn <laughs> too much of that already. Um, before we get into that, I just want to say uh, to our listeners, if you would like to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash here. And for as little as a dollar a month, get all kinds of access to all kinds of benefits. So a dollar a month gets you access to the whole spreadsheet um, where you can find the entire My Ultimate Year reading plan. Uh, but you can also find in the show notes what we're reading for this episode and the next. Uh, for $5 a month, you get six months early access to the show. So if you're listening on the public feed, there's six extra episodes waiting for you there. And access to our wonderful, uh, just super sweet and lovely Slack community um, where you can come in and hang out there. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, iTunes reviews are always appreciated. Uh, especially for my my ultimate year, we are uh, my ultimate year is lagging behind in those compared to my Marvels year. So always appreciate people going over and dropping those. Okay, so let's get into. Or I guess let's save ultimates for last. That's okay. the, it's last in the order, <laughs> so we'll save the weirdest for last. Um, although I, I gotta say, Ultimate Fantastic Four fifty four through fifty eight, it's pretty fifty seven. It's pretty weird in and of itself. So we've got Mike Carey again, Tyler Kirkham doing the art. Mm-hmm. Um. This is a weird story. (laughs) It is not weird in like, not weird like Ultimates is weird where I'm just like, whoa, what are these choices? Like, what is happening? This is so like over the top. Weird like, I kept getting the feeling when we were, I was reading this that it was like written by Mad Lib, right? Like, like you, like a a random, you know, like plot generator created this story because it is the, the choices here. Are so strange, and in the main thrust of this is like Agatha Harkness shows up. She's from she says she's from Shield, um, and she is like grilling the Fantastic Four on their choices of how to be a team, and like you know really telling like how how getting into their heads about how bad of a team they are. Mm-hmm. At the same time, uh, Sue Storm finds this like creepy organism underground in Oregon, uh, and then also at the same time, there's a new superhero team called the Seven, and it's like this group of absolute weirdos uh alpha dog filament ghostware <laughs> penultimate like just uh yeah a bunch of idiots um and none of it is interesting in and of itself like i don't think any of those three plot lines so you got the three plot lines of like there's a weird creepy organism that's like fusing you know in and of or, uh, some single-celled organism or something mm-hmm. you've got this new team of superheroes and you've got agatha harkness mm-hmm. i don't think any of them are interesting and then at the end of this the big reveal here is that they're like this creepy organism. It's actually both Agatha Harkness and the new superhero team just switching forms. It was probably one of the strangest, <laughs> one of the strangest ones that I've read so far. I I didn't know where it was going because I was really interested in like the dynamic between uh, Sue and Reed, especially you know we talked a little bit about Reed's character is just known for screwing everything up. Um, so mm-hmm. I was really interested in looking at how, you know, their, relation- yeah, their relationship, but it was like, every time I think I got comfortable in a plot line, it was like, it went left. So 
it was an interesting read. Definitely not one of my favorites, especially when, like you said, we figure out that Agatha Harkness and these seven new individuals are one and the same, multiplying, and it was all mm-hmm. over the place. <laughs> it, it just, like, it, it added up to nothing, no. and it was just, like, <laughs> it felt so arbitrary and weird, and it was just, like, hey, and then, like, the other part of it is, like, they divide by seven every once in a while, but when they do, it blows up like a nuclear bomb, and they need, and they feed off of love. They're, like, empath empathetic energetic like they they feed off of like love and uh empathy or something so there's like all these through lines that don't add up to anything it is so strange it feels like i i don't know like um i mean it it almost feels like someone who's just like on drugs and like wrote this whole thing in one (laughs) long like furious session and then it was just like oh okay i guess i mean like in a literal sense it makes sense right like Mm -hmm. you, you can kind of follow what's happening but the choices just feel so odd and arbitrary. It was, and it, it's, it was disjointed. A lot of it was disjointed. It just Yeah, because at the end it was like, what, what does it matter that Agatha Harkness is also a new team of s- superheroes? Like, she's this... Like, what What does that What's the purpose to this? <laughs> yeah, it's so strange to me. I, I have to really dig into Mike Carey's Lucifer, because that's really held up as his, like, mm-hmm. great work. Um Because his work on Fantastic Four is baffling to me. Like, it's, it's pretty bad. And... You know, he, he he's really known for that. And then also, he he did wrote a series called The Unwritten, which I, yes. I have quite a few of the trades, and I never really liked it very much. But it's not like this. It's not, like, baffling bad. I just, I never got into it. Yeah, I read, like, <laughs> um, four trades of The Unwritten, and it's it's one of those that it could, it, it's sort of confusing in some parts, um, but it didn't yeah. hold my attention enough to read past the yeah, four trades yeah. that I did read. Yeah. People like it, so I always felt like, stupid for just being like Man, this is boring right. though right like <laughs> this is kind of boring like i don't want you kind of don't want to admit something that's like that you know like critically adored or something yeah. but i'm like i i kind of was just like it it's like you're trying to tell like a story about stories telling stories but it's like harry potter and it was so, a, like i'm not it was confusing <laughs> that invested in it like he kind of felt like he was trying to continue like in the sandman vein mm-hmm. but like not successfully anyway yeah so i i think this <sighs> I, I don't know if this is as bad as some of his earlier Fantastic Four, but it is definitely baffling. <laughs> it is definitely baffling. And and this is the, I think, this is the end of the Fantastic Four series, which I am not sad about. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, wait, there's a few more, because we have a few more well, I, ultimatum I, issues to wrap it up. Part of, me was so one, got... part of me was wondering if he was attempting to do something with, like, the broken relationship between Sue and Reed and their supposed love for each other. And then bringing in these, these extra characters that feed off of love, but it just never connected. And I wanted it to connect so badly because I was like, well, maybe he's going somewhere with this, like this whole, the loss of their love and these, you know, these people feeding off of love, but the dots never connected for me. So it just felt like, Every issue felt like a separate story, and it just never. I mean, together. The, the other part of that is, at some point, we would have need needed to feel like we cared about their relationship to begin with, like it was some loss that they broke up, and not like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, Sue should go date Namor, <laughs> clearly, right? Like when she's telling, like Reed's trying to win her back here, and she's like, Reed, you're too good of a guy, and what I need right now is something superficial. I need a superficial fling with many different men, and you're like. <laughs> too good of a guy for that and i was like yeah sure like that's supposed to be like you know some kind of sad part but i was like yeah i mean honestly reed reed sucks i mean it's not like sue's that cool here either like no i think everyone's just kind of a non-character and their actions don't make sense because there's not a really consistent characterist characterization characterization oh my god um like at the end here like they're at odds through this whole story and then at the very end, there's this giant explosion, and then they're it cuts, kissing. you know, the, the explosion fades, and they're kissing inside of Sue's force bubble. I'm like, wait, why? What, what do you mean? What, they, they reconciled in that last se- second to smooch? Like, no sense. No sense whatsoever. Because I was yeah, like, when, yeah, yeah. When, did they, when did they figure out the issues that they've had? Because literally not too long before <laughs> that, Sue was like, don't, don't get too comfortable, like, because he was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're back yeah. working in the lab together. And she's like, don't get too comfortable. You know, you know, Romeo, slow your roll down. 
And then literally, <laughs> all of a sudden, they're kissing in a force field. I'm like, but what happened between her saying, don't get comfortable, to we've magically and mysteriously just... Well, I up. just, I mean, I, my, my big problem with this comic is that, like, I think it sends a really bad message to young men that, like, if you want to win a girl back, all you have to do is, like... <laughs> catch both of you in an explosion and like the, the two of you will find love like in the moment of explosion so uh yeah it's it's nonsense it, you know it's weird because it's like again mike carrie's kind of this big notable like somewhat prestigious mm-hmm. comic writer it's like i almost wouldn't be even talking about these comics so much if it wasn't for that name then i'm just kind of trying to find something here exactly. because i'm just like you know the expectation is there but not alas it is it is not here um Okay, speaking of other big names in comics, mm-hmm. we've got Ultimate Human, written by <laughs> noted sex pest Warren Ellis. <laughs> um, and we have seen Warren Ellis in the Ultimate Universe, and we're, Dave and I were like somewhat relieved to not... <laughs> we read the his initial Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. like, just as the allegations against him were coming out. And we were like both like kind of relieved that we were like ah these are boring like we don't we we don't have to praise these in the midst of you know like yeah. Ellis being all over these I'm like a little disappointed to say like I I really like these I like these four <laughs> issues quite a bit <laughs> um, you know I mean it it is what it is like you know it's it's just crappy people can make make good art um, but I I do like these four issues <laughs> quite mm-hmm. a bit it is Bruce Banner coming to Iron Man and asking him for help in removing. The Hulk from him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of split up into two stories, which is like the first two issues are Iron Man, Tony Stark and Hulk, um, like Tony Stark experimenting on Bruce Banner to try to get the Hulk out. The Hulk breaks out. There's a big fight and he like gets him subdued and gets it under control. And then the next two are we bring in the leader, Peter Wisdom, who's a like a notorious Hulk villain. Mm-hmm. Who's like, <laughs> like, what if the Hulk happened, but only on the brain? Um <laughs> Which is like I, I I love him in the Silver in the Silver Age. It's literally just like I can't stop reading books. My brain is getting too big. Like, <laughs> um, which is like uh, you know that's that's gonna happen to you, Ashley, if you keep bookish realm right, up. Right. Your, uh, <laughs> your, your, your cranium's just gonna keep swelling. Um, yeah, he uh, the the second two were like this guy wants like samples of Tony Stark and uh, the Hulk's blood. I think they really work. I think a large part of it for me is Carrie Nord's art. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like the style that 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 he brings to this with like the three panel uh, pages mm-hmm. and just like consistently like all the pages here are three panel pages with the exception of like single page splash pages. Mm-hmm. Um, keeps it really well paced. Warren Ellis generally like doesn't fill it with like too, too much text. No. And uh, he stays grounded in the main focus here. Which I really like, like something that I didn't like about his Ultimate Fantastic Four is um, that like he gets into weird like science, pseudoscience babble stuff all the time that like sounds like science, but it's not. He he finds a balance here where he's like talking about that stuff, but it does not sound like he's just like making up fake buzzwords. Like it all stays within the logic of the the comic we're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, what what did you think about like specifically the beginning of these, the first two issues? I didn't really know what to. I don't think I really knew what to expect. I kind of felt for the Hulk. I mean, you know, just reading just yeah. other stuff and knowing that um, he had such a difficult time just controlling his abilities. So I think for me, there was almost that sense of empathy that kind of drew me into it because I knew how badly he wanted to control um, his ability, well, completely essentially get rid of the Hulk. Um, so that really drew me in. And then to go to Tony Stark and kind of figure out what the two of them were going to do together in order to um, get rid of the Hulk. What I did not anticipate was the story going in the direction that it was going in. I did not because I'm not as familiar. So mm-hmm. kind of seeing that introduction and then seeing how it played out where we get um, kind of that or- origin story a little bit in the second two issues was I really, really enjoyed and like you said, I, I hate to say, it, but at the end of the day, it, it really, really worked for me completely. I mean, Warren, it, it, it's it. <laughs> th- that is something that happens where you know, like someone's revealed as personally mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a bad person who you know who's mm-hmm. like harmed a lot of people, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes there's a rush to like all of a sudden like, oh, well, I hated their stuff anyway, and it's like, well, like yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. not exactly how it works all the time, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think you can still still talk about it, and not you know be like well i i knew all along because <laughs> that this comic <laughs> was bad um 
Yeah, I, I don't always love Warren Ellis, but like he uh, he wrote um, Planetary, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. Um, I, I really like that. Yeah. But besides besides that, this is mostly what I've read is his ultimate mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, it's been a mixed bag. But this this is good. The, so that issue number three is very um, interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It starts out it, it's the leader's origin, mm-hmm. like almost entirely. It starts out with like fourteen pages of like British spycraft yes. bureaucracy. Yes. And it is bat like it was like halfway through the issue, like literally ten pages before I was like, What are we even talking about? Like <laughs> what how could this possibly feed back into the comic we were just reading? Mm-hmm. It's not like that's it's badly written or anything. Mm-hmm. It is just such a strange uh like little um not diatribe, uh what's the the word? Um little side story. Mm-hmm. Um Got a word in mind. I can't, I can't think of it. Anyway, yeah, it's a, such this weird little side story, mm-hmm. and uh, it it's written well. It's just like the whole time you're kind of wondering, like, what? How is this going to lead exactly. back into the Hulk? <laughs> yeah. but, but you know um, that worked. That worked for me. It actually worked, and I'm I'm not gonna lie. It did. I actually had to go back and read a couple of pages in that third issue because I thought maybe I was missing something because it was a little mm, bit yeah. of time between yeah. I read when I read issue two and three. So I was like, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. I missed the connection somewhere. Because two was purely like yes. Hulk and Iron Man yes. duking it out. Iron Man, like Tony Stark, you know, helping him put away the Hulk. And you get like a page of the leader talking about like, I've got plans. And yeah. you see this guy with a big head. Like, and that's, and all that's you see. it. Yeah. And that was it. So yeah. when I got into the third issue, I was like, what is this? This makes no sense. Like you said, we're talking yeah. about all this spy stuff. And I was like okay, well, who's C and who are these people? I don't understand how, yeah, it, yeah, how yeah. it works. But because I think I had, it was so vague almost to a point that by the time I got through those two issues, it just worked so well for me because I wasn't anticipating any of that. Maybe that's just me as a reader. I like when I can't anticipate or I can't put the pieces of the puzzle together. It's kind of a bad <laughs> Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to, to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit that uh, a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, no, I totally I totally agree. Yeah. It is nice to see, because I've read the leader's actual origin, mm-hmm. and this is, this is a little different. Um, it was just surprising to be like, the, I don't think the leader, actually, I'm not positive about this. I don't know if he comes back in the Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I guess a, a couple times. We're going to see him once or twice more but like he's, he's i don't think he's uh one more issue so he's only in one more issue mm-hmm. ultimate universe so this is not setting up like a long-running villain here yeah um but but i do think it was good to like do this because i i was more interested in the guy and like i was interested in his story mm-hmm. and you know like you, you, you i think you maybe not like i sympathize with him but at least i had some like understanding of where he was coming from mm-hmm. that being said the fourth issue dispenses with him so quick oh yeah of course we're not going to see him again because hulk pounded him into pulp. <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that yeah right <laughs> like um yeah the fourth issue dispenses with him and this entire storyline so quickly and it's so strange because the third issue spends all this time talking yeah. about the bureaucracy of this which like honestly probably could have been cut in half and you would still gotten the same entirely same idea of what's going on um like he has multiple conversations with multiple coworkers about the same situation same at work. Situation. <laughs> yeah. And then the fourth one, you know, like he kidnaps them, he's trying to get their blood, the Hulk breaks free, Iron Man's trying to, you know, they're it's kind of a big superhero escape thing. Mm-hmm. And uh and then he gets uh you know, he he tries to control the Hulk, the Hulk smashes him into bits, <laughs> drops a plane on the Hulk, etc. Um but, like, he kills the leader, and then he jumps off into the sunset, and Tony Stark's just like, sorry, Bruce. Yep, exactly and that's that's the end of it. And it just ends, and it's like, it resets to the status quo so fast. <laughs> like, it's wild. It lays all this groundwork, and it feels like this really slow build to something, and then, like, it, it all kind of just gets tossed without... Yeah. And without any, like, thematic resolution. I think that's, like, the bummer for me. It didn't feel like some kind of, like... You know, we were talking about something and like, we're going to get back to the status quo, but at least in the meantime, let's like, you know, have a narrative arc about like the, the, what's happening with the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I don't think it did that. But regardless of that, I think, I think this works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that is Carrie Nord's uh, art, which I, I really enjoyed. And yeah. I'd like, like to see more of his stuff. Anything else on Ultimate I, Human? You know, I felt bad for Bruce. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Have you have you gotten around to reading the, the first few issues or volumes of Ultimates? Like Mark Miller's Ultimates? Yeah, yet? yeah, where yeah. He, where he eats eats a lot of people. Yes, <laughs> you know, like... and he's out of control. And I just feel, yeah. I felt so bad. 
I was hopeful, but I, you know, I should have never got my hopes up, but I was hopeful when, when he met with Tony and then, you know, you go through the whole process of realizing that he's just able to kind of adapt to a lot. But then like that last issue where Tony's like, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bruce. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry too, because we were almost there where you could have, you know, lived somewhat of a, of a normal life after everything that he'd been through and, and the other ultimate issues, which yeah, feel sorry for the kid. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, I think, I think Mark Miller did a good job in Ultimates of mm-hmm. like portraying Bruce Banner as like sad and pathetic, <laughs> and like in in a way that like is somewhat like you can sympathize with the guy, but yeah. also like he's not purely a pitiable guy. Like he also put himself like a lot of people are dead because he has no self worth and <laughs> can't cope. <laughs> you know, like that is true. So like I. I Mark, Mark Miller sometimes goes overboard with that, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes can find, like, a good balance where you're just like, these are disgusting people, but, like, I can still, like, I still kind of get why they're, you know, acting the way they're acting, and I can, like, understand, that's, like, a understandable human reflex. Yeah. Um, it, That's a little sanded off here, because they're, like, talking about those past events, but, like, Warren Ellis also makes sure to, like, the Hulk doesn't eat anybody here, you know, and it's like, the Hulk is not being viciously violent here, no. like, he's kind of, like... Your, your mainline Marvel Hulk here, where he somehow avoids actually killing anyone despite, despite the, <laughs> the enormous amount of disaster exactly. around him. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, after this, we read Ultimate Spider-Man 123 to 128, I think. Yes. I just should have this up in front of me. Um, and uh, this is called The War of the Symbiotes. Um, and this is the return of Eddie Brock. He's coming back with Venom. Uh, Gwen Stacy, who is kind of cloned from the Carnage symbiote yes. after being killed by the Carnage symbiote. And have you gotten that far in your Ultimate Spider-Man read? No, so I'm I'm Did not that Stacey far. Stuff? Yeah, okay. I'm not that far up with the Gwen Stacy stuff. But it was interesting because I was following a little bit of in mainline, following a little bit of um, the stuff leading up to like King and Black. So yeah, it was yeah, it was interesting reading reading these select issues. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of symbiote yeah. stuff all at once. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I I appreciate them bringing Gwen Stacy back in this way, Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. Um I think largely because like in the mainline Marvel, I don't really have an issue with them killing Gwen Stacy off. Mm-hmm. Like uh like reading that like it didn't feel particularly like a fridging to me and also well, it was not a well established trope mm-hmm. at that point. So that's a big part of it um but also like they didn't really know what to do with the character at that moment and it became such a a big iconic moment it's tough to i don't know like it it works for me in mainline marvel in ultimate marvel it sucks um and it's really cruel and Mm offhanded and um kind of arbitrary and uh like feels perfunctory Mm -hmm. and i kind of appreciate that they're bringing her back now it it, like almost I, i almost never feel this way where i'm just like you have to do justice to the character, right? Like, yeah. you were mean to a character, and now, you know, you should do right by them. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's not that. It's not like I think Gwen Stacy deserves justice or anything. It's just, like, it feels, like, nice for her to have a second chance, yeah. I guess. Um, and, it, you know, I guess it's technically not the same person, but, but <laughs> for, for, all a, Gwen, for all a Gwen Stacy to have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <Gwen> right. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, the, I mean, the main thrust here is, like, Eddie Brock's on the loose with Venom, he loses Venom, the Avengers get involved, Nick Fury's here. It's somewhere in the middle of this run is when Nick Fury gets, like, arrested and then is taken out as the head of um, S.H.I.E.L.D. Did you notice this? The moment where, like, all of a sudden Carol Danvers was in charge yes, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes, yes, and I didn't, I was like, where in the world did she come from? Because there was Nick, and then there was Carol. And then I was like, okay. There's this horrifying... <laughs> Uh, event back that we did in episode 16 called ultimate power Mm -hmm. it's a disaster it's awful and but in that nick fury like uh, i can't remember he gets he gets arrested for doing something bad (laughs) to the multiverse more or less and it's funny because we read that and then like nick fury's still been in and out of comics like some comics he's gone (laughs) and some comics he's here so we get to see the exact moment he like vanishes in the uh the ultimate universe here um yeah so what uh, what did you think about this i i guess um I'll ask specifically, like, mm-hmm. the the Eddie Brock stuff with, like, him him in the symbiote. Did that, did that work for you? I, you know, I because I I have read Eddie Brock in, um, 
who's doing the current run of Venom and why can I Donny Cates? Yes. So yeah. I couldn't help but kind of rely on what I've read by Donny Cates mm-hmm. and then reading this. So for me, and I felt like Donny Cates has just done, for me personally, has done a really great job with Venom. Oh, yeah, that series yeah, is very it's been, yeah, it's been amazing for me to, to go back and read a lot of that. So it didn't work as well for me here. But once again, it's kind of going back to that kind of... Um, kind of sort of empathy with Eddie Brock kind of not being able to cope with the fact that he feels like Peter Parker got everything and he got nothing. He, he's got a big chip on his shoulder. Yeah, he yeah. does. And yeah. that was kind of, you know, I felt bad for him, but then I didn't feel bad for him because I felt like Peter was trying so hard to to help him and he couldn't see past the fact that he felt like Peter Parker got it all when mm-hmm. I don't feel like Peter Parker got it all necessarily either. <laughs> like, no, I don't, no, no. I don't think so at all. So his, his skewed perception of reality was was very interesting to kind of to kind of watch, um, and Venom is definitely he, he's he's super super violent, yeah. I well yeah I mean he he does like the Forrest Gump thing here right where he's like telling his story to like many different people sitting on a bench to him and it's the end at the end it's revealed that he's just eating them one at a time as he tells his story and I was like oh person. gosh it's like every person that he was talking to like every panel was like oh there yeah. goes somebody that's eaten so yeah yeah, yeah I re- Stuart Eminem's art here I think he does a great job with Venom I'm I'm like overall positive but not like over the moon yeah. about Stuart Eminem's art. Like I think I think it always works well, but like it doesn't like I, I don't get he doesn't like drive me wild mm-hmm. <laughs> with his artwork. But his Venom stuff, the way he draws the symbiotes is very good. Especially when it like fuses with Carnage at the end. I like yes. that weird creature yeah. that they make that doesn't really look like Venom anymore. Like it's way more animal like. It is. Um I think I think that's that's really neat. Brian Michael Bendis is doing a strange thing with, like, the time here, where he's jumping ahead, like, back and forth, like, weeks, days, mm-hmm. hours, mm-hmm. back and forth. I found it kind of totally unnecessary, and also, I read this two hours ago, I would, gun to my head, I could not tell you what those different timelines were, or why it mattered that we were reading them across several <laughs> weeks. <laughs> It it didn't it didn't ruin the experience, but mm-hmm. I also just was like, why did this happen two weeks ago? Like, it, I am... I'm not quite sure why we're reading this so... It, like, it felt like a gimmick, I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's done that a few times before, and sometimes it's worked well, but it didn't, it didn't add up yeah, to it, and, much. Yeah, and really thinking about it, like, going back and thinking about, like, just reading through it, I don't feel like the time jumps were necessary. I feel like you could have gotten the essence of the, of the same, you know, the feel for the story in the same way without the time jumps. I'm not going to lie. I think, like, reading... I started to ignore the time jumps. And just read yeah, the story oh, totally, for what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, it's... it's. I think the time jump thing can have its use to add some kind of, like, tension and really control the pacing, yeah. right? Like, if you have kind of a straight... Sometimes you have a straightforward story to tell. Mm-hmm. I think so, in the right hands. Like, Damon Lindelof of Lost in Watchmen mm-hmm. TV fame did a... Oh, was it Ultimate X-Men... Ver- or Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk, mm-hmm. I think? That's the... It was something like that earlier that we read. And that was a pretty straightforward story, but he used the time jumps to, like, great effect there. And it worked so well, like, mm-hmm. jumping back and forth from, like, the present day to the the, the past. Um, whereas here, like you said, if you just took away that, you would basically just be like, yeah. okay, this is a linear story and I more or less understand it. Um, this is not something we, like, I, <laughs> Dave and I were saying about Ultimate Spider-Man for the longest time is, like, it's always solid. Like, yeah. It's almost never awful. Like, very rarely is it, like, a bad comic. It, it, it's just consistently pretty good, like, junk food comics. And once in a while it rises up and you get something, like, really good that just sings. This is on the level of, like, yeah, this works. Yeah. Um, it didn't blow me away. But, like, overall, like, you know, I enjoyed this. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's his consistent storytelling um, that works pretty well. Any other Spider-Man thoughts before we get to the maybe main event of this, <laughs> this batch of comics? You know, I still I still like the whole uh, the friendship concept that we see in here, especially at the end where Peter Parker's kind mm-hmm. of fighting for Gwen to be able to go back and live somewhat of even if it's not, you know, technically uh, Gwen to go back and live somewhat of a of a normal life. So. I really appreciated that. I think that's probably one of my favorite elements that I've kind of been digging about Ultimate Spider-Man 
it's just the friendship network, that support system, them kind of advocating for each other. Even when MJ was like, you know, Peter, like you've been pretty banged up. How about you go see a doctor? You know, you, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not doing so hot. You probably should go talk to somebody or see somebody. So I still, it's probably one of my favorite parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does. I mean, I think, I think I even said this last episode, but like Spider-Man's only as good as his extended network. Yes. Right. Like as, as, I think he's only as good as someone can write Harry Osborn, MJ, JJ, J. Jonah Jameson, Ben Urich, whatever, like the people in his life, the civilians in his life that like ground his story and give it some kind of, you know, like, because he's all about trying to protect like the little person. Yeah. So like him, him being grounded as a, you know, actual man and not just a, a superhero yeah. in his stories is so like key to these working. Yes. Um, and, and Brian Michael Bendis has a pretty good grip on those, mm-hmm. uh, those characters overall. Okay. So <laughs> Ultimates volume three, <laughs> Ultimates volume one and two were ultimate so far has been Mark Miller's baby. And he has set a really like unique and fresh tone for the Avengers that, Overall, I really like, um, it has its moments, there, there, there's, it, it's like all things with Mark Miller, where it's just like, you know, for every, like, two things where I'm like, oh, that's awesome, there's one thing that I have to, like, cringe at and just be like, oh my god, or roll my eyes at, right? Like, he, he, he takes a lot of big swings, and some of them work, and some feel really childish, <laughs> um, but, but I think he, I, I think there's, like, a real energy to the ultimates that he brought to it and like a freshness even if even if you don't like the the direction of the like this is the new edgy marvel mm-hmm. I, I think like he does it well and he he really like brought it in a, a new like you know it, it is these are post 9-11 comics yes. right like this, yeah. this when you talk about like what did superheroes do after 9-11 like he really set the stage for that yeah jeff Loeb comes in and oh another another creepy guy uh <laughs> noted a racist to Asians, <laughs> Jeff Loeb, uh, who, uh, his Wikipedia page has, you know, several, <laughs> several sections on like <laughs> racial controversy, yep. which is never a good, a good look. Um, a, a, a noted comic book writer does some really good work at DC, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, Batman, the long Halloween, Batman, dark victory, Superman for all seasons, all very good comics, all really like noted comics. I don't really know as much about his overall Marvel work. Um, but I do know his <laughs> Ultimates Marvel work is incredibly notorious. And I think you get a taste of that immediately. immediately. Page one. <laughs> page one starts up with all the Avengers hanging out in their Avengers lounge watching a sex tape of Tony Stark and the uh, Black Widow. Like, everyone's just hanging out on the couch being like, oh my god, how did this get leaked to the press? <laughs> But they're all watching, and Tony's in the room. Tony's in the room just being like, oi vey, like, how did this happen? Like, Let me... He's just getting drunk. It is... Do you know that, that GIF, the, the the white guy blinking GIF? Yes, I, yes, the, yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yes. about? I had that reaction, like, ten times in this comic, it, where I just turned a page and something happened, and I was just like, wh- wh- what? <laughs> Excuse me? I was you, what? so confused literally the first page of the first issue i was like no 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 i'm something <laughs> about my work day is messing with me and i'm not reading this right this is not and i kept and you were at, like oh my god i'm at work i need to put like, like i'm gonna get fired for reading this at work up, hold up sitting at my lunch break like wait can anybody else see this outside of me? <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean these are the comics that like you'd be embarrassed to be seen reading in public, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you wouldn't want anyone to glance over and see these comics. All that being said, <laughs> there's a little part of me that had fun with these. I think I think there's an absolute, like, wild, stupid energy to these comics mm-hmm. that I had fun with, and I don't think... I, 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 I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't know how much of this was, like, Jeff Loeb was on the same wavelength I was with these comics. Yeah. Like, if he if he thinks these are incredibly stupid. <laughs> you know, if he was writing, like, larger-than-life stupid comics. Yeah. Like, um, something we covered forever ago for a bonus episode is Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. It's this notorious, like, softcore comic, <laughs> softcore porn comic that's, like, all about witches, and it's incredibly sexual, but it's also just, like, 
wildly creative and it's just like it moves and it's mm-hmm. kind of fun like in a really like a, in a bad b movie kind of way <laughs> um that has like a huge budget and tons of crazy ideas i got the same vibe from this where i was like i would never say this is a good comic but like and if i had to read 12 of these i'd be a little miserable <laughs> but <Yeah. clears throat> knowing i only had to read five of these issues i was it's kind of into it <laughs> you know like i i think a large part of that is the art the art i i quite like even though it is big and dumb and especially the way it draws women is pretty oh <laughs> like, gosh uh, like some of some of the breast shots in this are insane <laughs> there's a shot of uh of Lo- there's like a silhouette of logan having sex with uh yes. like scarlet Witch's mother, mother magda yes. yes and like her boobs are pointing like literally like straight up at the sky <laughs> while they're having sex it is insane the like silhouette on this woman um but yeah joe joe maduria uh i think that's that's correct apologies if i got his name (laughs) said it incorrectly um besides that i i kind of like that his art style like it's so bombastic and so like full of energy and it reads really easy he's not joe jeff Loeb is not weighing these down with too much exposition Mm -hmm. like it just moves from one idea to the next and there's a million ideas here and most of them are absolutely the stupidest thing you've ever read but like it kind of i don't know it kind of worked for me <laughs> it was entertaining i will say that yeah it was off yeah. the wall yeah. to the point i was like this is it's probably the most wild comic <clears throat> that i think i have i've read in a long time because mm-hmm. the different things that were popping up even with scarlet witch and pietro i was like what what is going <laughs> Well, Mark Miller, like, winked at that. Like, yeah. he was, like, making... Li- it, it took. It's funny, because, like, you read those Mark Miller comics, and you're like, wow, well, this is crazy. Like, look, look at the stuff that Mark Miller... Like, you know, he's yeah. he's winking at, like, incest between the, the Scarlet Witch and Pietro, and then this comic's just like, like yeah. oh, oh, no. We're not winking anymore, right? <laughs> we're, like, we're there. We're there, folks. We yeah. are there. <laughs> oh, and you're going to watch the sex tape of it, right? Like, yes! you know, we're not even... <laughs> We're not just gonna make it canon. You're gonna you're gonna see it in all of its like explicit detail. Um, okay, so and then like Hawkeye. Oh my god, I don't even know where to start. A mess. Um, <laughs> Scarlet Witch is assassinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the long term part of this is that they're, they're trying to find out who did it. Maybe it was Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Venom is attacking. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are attacking. Pietro goes back and joins Magneto, his father, and. It's like a big Avengers versus mutants showdown, like mm-hmm. the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants versus the Avengers. Turns out that behind <laughs> all of it was Ultron. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So much packed into these few issues. Um, and like Hank Pym accidentally created Ultron, just like in the mainline Marvel. And Ultron created like, f- like a fake Venom. He created a fake Avengers. And also uh, fell in love. Like it's kind of taking the role of Vision here with like Wanda and Vision. Yep. Yeah, falling in love, which was a really funny joke that Mark Miller did, where like uh, he just had it in a background once that it looked like Scarlet Witch was just flirting with a robot, and it was just like a funny wink at Scarlet Witch and Vision. Yeah. This is like the robot is like, I was in love with Scarlet Witch, but if she can't be mine, she won't be anybody's, and so he assassinates her. Um, okay, here's here's something I'll say about this. If anyone has any like genuine critiques of this comic on like it's sexist or it's racist which maybe we'll get to i am i'm here for that and i i think that's valid i think it's just hard for me to like get mad at this comic because it's so dumb yeah you know like it's kind of just like it's like getting mad at like a saw you know one of the saw movies or something where it's just like well, you know, whatever. It's it's a like it's off the wall. It's, it's too off the wall to get upset. About. It's too yeah. it's too it's too dumb and unimportant for me to get like too worked up at. Yeah. Okay. So this the, there's one choice here where it's like I I'm going into this knowing Jeff's low reputation mm-hmm. with uh <laughs> as his Wikipedia page says racial controversies. We start up here. Black Panther is here immediately. Yes. And I'm like, wow, weird. Black Panther has not been in the Ultimate Universe. Which mm-hmm. is wild. We're like eight years into it. No Black Panther so far. It's not been here. Black Panther is here. Silent. <clears throat> not a word from him. Nope. And I think it's a bold move. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold move to take Black Panther and say, you know who's under there? <laughs> it's not a black man anymore. It's Captain, it's Captain, Amer- it's Captain America. America. <laughs> Listen, I was like, wait, what? 
And you know what? Like, I can't tell you why, <laughs> you know, like, but, but part of me is like, I almost, I almost think it's the right choice. Cause I don't want to see what Jeff Loeb would do with <laughs> Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like almost like I'm, I'm spared from seeing what he would actually do with T'Challa. Um, wild, <laughs> because wild. like, you almost like, I, I cringe at the thought of how he would like introduce T'Challa into the ultimate universe. Mm-hmm. And I do know, I do know that Black Panther comes into the ultimate universe at some point. I don't think he's a big part, which is a shame. Um, cause at this point he was, he had that big run with, um, oh my gosh, um, Christopher Priest, mm-hmm. uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands. So like Black Panther was back in the, the consciousness here. So it's, it's a bit of a bummer that he's not, not more prominent in, um, in the ultimate universe. Um, <laughs> do you know why Captain America was dressing up as Black Panther? Cause I don't, I don't know. I never got it. I never, I just, all of a sudden like, I got to the yeah. panel and it was like, okay, so Captain America has been playing Black Panther because of this whole thing is where's Black Panther? Where's Black Panther? Found it as Captain yeah. America. And then I was like, but why? <laughs> what was, what was the purpose <laughs> of that? I mean, it's for the twist, right? <laughs> Which is like half the reason this comic exists is just for the like, the moment that Iron Man takes his face off and it's Ultron. And it's like, does that make sense? No, but it's shocking. <laughs> you know? Like, um, okay. I, there's a page here that totally sums up the entire comic for me. Uh-huh. And it's, um, it's Captain America is fighting uh, Sabretooth and it turns, you know, they're in the middle of this fight. I think the action actually works really well here. Like the action is drawn mm-hmm. really well, at least it doesn't make sense, but like it, it's engaging. Um, you turn the page, you get a big splash page of Sabretooth and Captain America fighting. And it's this, like, real. It's I think it's a great splash page. And then the only text is Sabretooth just going, suck it! <laughs> that perfectly encapsulates the energy of this entire comic. To me. <laughs> just, no, like, the absolute stupid juvenile vibe of this whole thing, where it's, like, just the biggest, dumbest, uh, you know, teenage energy. It is. Um, yeah, the... Um, <laughs> the... the, the Oh God! There's another. There, there's only one other line here that really like made my my head spin, which is that Ultron is fighting Ultron as Yellow Jacket, which doesn't even make sense. Is fighting um, Janet Van Dyne, <clears throat> and he's like, "I hate to do this because if you think about it, you're really my mother. Like Hank Pym's my father, her mother." Hank Pym then gets behind Ultron and rips his head off, saying, "Well, I guess that makes me the mother." I'm <laughs> like, wait, what? That doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense, hey? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I know what you're getting at, but, like, it's not, like, everyone should have been making fun of him in the next panel for that, like, what, Hank? What, what does that mean? Like, that, absolutely wild. wild. It, yeah, it um, was wild. It was wild. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, <laughs> um, what else, what else, what else is here that we need to discuss? Um, okay, so, it, it's super violent. Mm-hmm. here um this is something we're gonna see coming back so <laughs> if you if you were like oh okay well this is what we read from jeff Loeb writing this nope uh he's gonna write the next event ultimatum is in his hands and it is incredibly notorious and i actually remember reading this when i was a teenager i didn't read this volume of ultimates but i read ultimatum and it is one of the only parts of reading a ton of ultimate comics as a teenager that's stuck in my head because it is Kind of for big stupid moments like that. It's like you know, if you had read this when you were eighteen, you're like, well, I'm always going to remember that. Like, <laughs> um, so there, there's some stuff that uh, we're going to get to. Um, uh, let's see, what are what are other notable moments here? I liked Valkyrie. Mark Miller actually brought Valkyrie in as kind of a gag character, and I I almost appreciate Jeff Loeb being like, no, she's cool. She's like a goddess, and she's got powers. And I think it's actually like a really fun moment where mastermind gets his head cut off by Valkyrie. Yes. Like, cause mastermind's such a creep and for like to get decapitated by a lady is, uh, is like very satisfying. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was head flying off. Like even if this mastermind is not necessarily like he, he was, I actually, he did like lick Valkyrie's face while she was catatonic. So that's, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. But like, we have not seen a lot of Mastermind, I don't think, in the Ultimate Universe. But just like from knowing this character, I was, <laughs> that was a very like fun, cathartic moment. Her, um, her and Thor were, um, <laughs> they were, they were interesting, uh, duo. Just, <laughs> just the random lines where she would say like, 
I don't know whether she said he was more attractive or hotter when when he was angry. Just little things mm-hmm. like that between the two of them was, I guess, reading I, that. I was like... I, I vaguely dig, like, a character, a set of characters that yeah. are, are hot for each other. Yeah. Like, I, I like a little a little heat between, like, a romantic <laughs> couple. If, if it, like, reads as, as genuine. I liked, actually, something I, I genuinely liked... I thought was a fun character moment is um, the two of them are in bed and Valkyrie says something like she like points out how he talks like all Shakespearean yeah. like very early and the and thou and whatever and like how he's been talking more like that because I think Jeff Loeb is writing mm-hmm. Thor to talk more like that yeah um, like he, he he's had a little bit of that with Mark Miller but not nearly mm-hmm. as much and Jeff Loeb is bringing that back and almost like rationalizes it by saying like, "Hey, I'm like comfortable around you. I can be myself. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> he doesn't have to like he's not code switching. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was it was brought up again too when he was facing uh, his I guess the machine version of himself, where he was like, "Why? Mm. Why are you talking? Why are you talking like that?" Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. Was the machine talking like? The so, Shakespearean version? No, so or? it was Thor uh, talking to uh, the machine version. The machine version was like, why are you Why are you talking like that? Oh, so okay, yeah, gotcha, like right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, we're talking about all this wild stuff that happened. Like, I'm not bringing up Hawkeye kills 1,000 Jamie Madrixes. Uh, the Savage Lane gets introduced, and it, like, Scarlet Witch creates dinosaurs. Like, yeah. at, she gets startled, and she just makes some dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Juggernaut's here. I don't know. A million... Th- Eunice the Untouchable, which is like... I don't even know how he comes in to this comic. Uh, like, I, he's I here remember. all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah, right. Because he, he's like <laughs> kind of a background character and he dies here. So, um, yeah. A lot of stuff happened. I, I think the... <clears throat> the big takeaway here, <clears throat> both in... Actually, I think we glossed over this. Both in this and I think Ultimate Spider-Man is that Dr. Doom's up to something. Yes. Right, so Dr. Doom is, like, behind the Ultron attack. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he he set it up that Ultron would become sentient. And uh, he also got a hold of some of the... There, there's, like, a this armored beetle who's in the Spider-Man comics mm-hmm. who, like, took a sample of Venom and flew off with it, and we find out at the end that he's bringing it to, to Dr. Doom. Yeah. So maybe we'll see, you know, the, uh, the, the follow-up on those. <clears throat> the other big part is Magneto is pissed because both of his kids are, are dead. Are dead. That yeah. That is more important. That is the th- th- that is the takeaway from this um this comic that we're gonna be returning to is that Magneto is mm-hmm. you know he, he's really like the big bad. It's Magneto in a little bit to lesser degree Norman Osborn, but it's really Magneto is the big bad of the Ultimate Universe. Um, and this is kind of the you know. The beginning of uh, a big part of that. Yeah, so, a lot of lot of family issues see there. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what really made me mad? Do you know? <laughs> do you know Scarlet Witch in Quicksilver's real origin? Have you read those comics? No. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> people should go discover them for themselves. Um, I will just say there is a, a sentient cow involved. Oh wow! <laughs> there's, there's, there's a walking cow woman uh, as part of it, and for them to not even reference the this cow oh i can't remember her name uh cow woman scarlet witch let me what's her name bova yeah (laughs) um for them not even to bring up bova here is like extremely cowardly so i'm i'm a little disappointed that it was just like Mm -hmm. you know there's some mountain woman that logan oh and like logan is the parent of scarlet witch and quicksilver not magneto or wait is that actually what happened or was that I don't no, think... no, it was they're they're his kids. They just like she, he was having an affair, an affair with, with Magda, and Magneto was mad because he he was dating her first or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. The thing is, this comic doesn't like the details don't necessarily stick. No, <laughs> you know, it, it's no. kind of just about the the wild the, the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, would you rather read this or more of those Fantastic Four issues? Yeah, I probably would pick more of this because. Just, I think it was just the journey of reading it. The wild, it was, yeah. it was like every single page, it was something wild was happening. It was so wild that you like, I is this really happening? Like, am I really reading this right now? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. but yeah, but it was, it definitely was, it was interesting to say the least. I'd say in the hands of a middling artist, 
even, not even a bad artist. I'd say in the hands of a mediocre, like, middle of the road. Like, it, <laughs> this is mean because I don't actually want to say this about Tyler Kirkham, but Tyler Kirkham's work on Ultimate Fantastic Four, I liked it last, uh, the last batch for the last episodes more than I did here, but here it was pretty boring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if someone like him, I shouldn't call specific artists out <laughs> like that, but um, I'm sorry, Tyler, if you're listening. Um, but if someone without like this crazy energy was doing this, if these were kind of, you know, kind of middle of the road art, mm-hmm. I think this would be incredibly dull. Yeah. You know, like if the artwork did not just move this comic along, mm-hmm. you know, cause I read all five of these in 15 minutes, yeah. 20 minutes, yeah, maybe. Right. Quick. Like, it went down super quick, and a big part of that is the art, like, is really paced out well and, and leads you along. Like, mm-hmm. um, he knows what he's doing. So, I, I think if this had worse art, it would it would be a lot more painful as well. Yeah. Um. Okay. Any any closing thoughts on Jeff Loeb's The Ultimates? Well, that was a way to close out this batch. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! I'm 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 kind of excited to get to the next. Oh. uh... I haven't actually talked to you about this yet, so we can talk about this in private if you need be. But uh, Dave was wondering if he can actually come back for Ultimatum. Oh, yeah. Which oh, is yeah. The, the, re- the return of Jeff Loeb. Yeah. The, uh, oh, yeah. A, a, peop- a bunch of people in the Slack were like, oh, Ashley, cool. Like, I'm excited that she's taking over. I am bummed that I'm not going to hear Dave react to Ultimatum, which is like, it's like these comics, but dialed up even more so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, okay. that would be fun <laughs> okay all right so i will officially announce that uh dave will more than likely be back for episode 22 two episodes from now <clears throat> for the uh the ultimatum event because that will be a lot of fun okay uh that will do it for us today thank you all so much for listening uh ashley where can people find your work you can find me Every, well, not everywhere. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. MySpace. No. Uh, oh, God. Par- parlor? Uh, no. Ashley, oh, my God. <laughs> no. I remember when I actually had to, to fight to petition to delete my MySpace. Um, <laughs> that was That's the story. Um, but you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram underneath the name Bookish Rome. Yes, yes. Definitely go check that out. Um, you can find our social media at Oof, media. <laughs> you can find our social media at My Marvelous Year. Uh, go support us at patreon.com if you like what you are hearing, or leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, go check out My Marvelous Year if you're one of the handful of people who's listening to this show first before starting with My Marvelous Year. Uh, it's it's also a good show. Um, I think that's going to do it. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. See you next time. I got issues.